What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. Hey, baby. Ready for another, uh, we're, well, I mean, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back with another episode. Uh, we took a little, uh, little like summer break, a little we summer like hiatus. We call that a hiatus. Yep, hiatus. Thank you so much for your patience and your understanding. Yeah. Um, and hope you all had such a beautiful summer. Yeah, it's uh, over. Yeah, it's like September 21st as of the release of this episode. And right. I believe that officially marks the end of the summer season. I think September 21, we officially transition oh, yeah? into fall. So it is over. So it's over. So I can say that without people hating me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been saying that over the last week and I get a lot of uh, people really just like aren't down. Well, people start saying, how was your summer in the middle of August? And yeah. that's the real problem. I mean, that's dumb. Yeah, for those of you who don't live in Canada, we get eight weeks of summer, and to just disclude the last two yeah. weeks of August is just... It is wild, though, how quickly it transitions. Like, we just had the hottest summer, I think, ever. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense. The planet is burning. Yeah. Um, But then it just, like, switched. Yeah, September, everyone's going back to school. Leaves are falling. Donuts stoked. He loves leaves. He loves leaves. That's so cute. And uh, now it's time to get spooky. 
Yes, your favorite season. I love it. I got a sick Halloween costume already. Do you I, have 30 days of horror movies lined up that you've never seen before? Um, I, well, I don't ever. I, I do this every year. I, I watch a, a one horror movie a day for 31 days in October. And it's, I don't always do it with movies I haven't seen. I rewatch a lot. Yeah. Um, but I do have my list. I'm working on it. It's almost done. Any brand new? Have you heard of a horror movie called Barbarian? Someone was just telling just me about saw that today. it. Fucking unreal. Was it? Holy yo! If you're listening to this right now and you like horror movies, go to your theater. It's playing right now. It's called Barbarian. Do not look anything up. Don't even watch the trailer. It doesn't matter if you watch the trailer because you're gonna watch the trailer and go, "Oh, I know what this is about." And then you're gonna watch the movie and go, "Well, didn't see that coming." Amazing. It is truly scary. I screamed. <laughs> I yelled. <laughs> I yelped. Kira was like, oh my God, that was the first time I've ever heard you like actually react in a horror movie. Did did Kira have her eyes closed the whole time? Did she Uh, also like No, no, she loves horror movies. She she did she did better than me. She was less scared than I was. I was fucking scared. And (laughs) man, that movie is wild. Like it is every once in a while a, a horror movie will come along where I'm just like just totally totally shocked by how effective it was uh-huh. and this movie did that in in spades like it just it was so do good. you think all like it yes is it gory mm, uh no like not like a little bit but not like crazy no did anyone he- does anyone's head get taken off shockingly and unexpectedly not no when it's no, already a very stressful moment no, there's because... no decapitation but there is some head trauma <laughs> oh, there's definitely shit. some head trauma okay i don't want to say anything else honestly like the the less you know the better it, it's it's a it is a it is an unexpected ride that movie yeah amazing yeah definitely worth going to see and my halloween costume this year i i went all out this is the first time in fucking years where i've been like fuck it i'm just gonna like spend a bunch of money on a sick outfit go fuck yourself yeah. You have literally spent yeah. like on you'll Halloween go costumes? one off, amazingly expensive and amazing uh, contact lenses that you swear. But what I mean, it's been years. It's been years since trying to get it's in. been years since I've done that. It's been a while. Is he chewing my boot? No, he's. I think he's chewing a cord. Don't chew anything. Um. Anyway, I'm going out as Pinhead from Hellraiser, and uh, it is like crazy bondage kind of shit it's sick yeah it's really intense looking. it's intense yeah it's uh, are you do you have you do you already know what you're doing for halloween no okay. I, I on the day before i'm going to a screening uh a double feature movie okay. screening outside so I'll, uh, I'll wear for that oh okay yeah yeah it's not not a terrifying as someone who's been exclusively listening to true crime podcasts it's not at all a terrifying time to just go out and completely unrecognizable as any human being like just yeah. you know just new halloween's coming up the the final no uh iteration in this uh current trilogy no way excited for that that's gonna be really fun um lots oh. of just man we're in like a horror renaissance right now it's it's sick it's a great time what to do be you, a horror do you fan. think it's like uh so the the true crime podcast i listen to my favorite murder they uh they they really talk about their fascination about of true crime coming from a place of severe anxiety and just needing to know all the possible things yeah. that could happen and sort of being a little bit neurotic about you know locking your doors yeah. and their whole slo- they have this whole slogan of fuck politeness like no if someone's walking towards you oh, yeah. wanting to talk to you you don't know that At you night? just oh, yeah, for sure. never yeah. um yeah. anyway 
not worth it. Do you think that the horror renaissance comes from this extremely dark time that we've been living in the last couple of years where people are like, I need something (laughs) worse than this to take away my pain? Uh, no, I don't think it, I don't think it has to do with that. Although I did, there was that study that came out, uh, soon after COVID and it was saying that people that were horror fans were more prepped and, and ha- managing the pandemic better than people who weren't. No way. I didn't yeah. read that study. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I don't think that, like, I don't think this, I don't think COVID has to do with it. I think it, I think it's more so just like a respect, you know, there, there was like, there's, there's a number of like horror movies that have come out in the last couple of years that are a little bit more cerebral, you know, kind of smart. Um, and I think there's like, just, there's more of a respect for the genre now in like Hollywood. And they're, they're seeing that there's like actually quite a bit of like, you know, quite a bit of money that can be made when something's good. Right. Um, and honestly, the movie that I think like the movie that I think I have nothing to base this off of, but the movie that I think maybe kind of set those wheels in motion early on was Cabin in the Woods. Oh, interesting. This movie that just like takes the the genre, flips it on its head. It's a total satire, yet like also effective. And it just like it it encompasses like every horror genre, every horror franchise you've seen in the last, you know, three decades. Um You were the, there when I auditioned for that movie. Uh, yes, I know, I remember. But you know, it's like like back in the day, horror was awesome. You know, when you look at like things like the Exorcist. I mean, if you re- if you haven't watched The Exorcist since you were whatever twelve, and you watch it now, you go, "Oh my goodness, oh, this is shit. extraordinarily good cinema." Like it is a beautiful film, and like Rosemary's Baby and like Carrie, like these movies that like that are actually like really well done, really thoughtful, terrifying, very smart, very terrifying. Alien, another another good one, um, and then. I don't know what happened, but like, and this would be a fun podcast to listen to is like the, the, the history of horror, but like horror sort of like got cheap and, and there was like a good period of time there where it was very like schlock and very. Tell, throw some titles that fit into that category. Um, like you like Halloween that came out of that time, but this is not the same caliber necessarily as. Well, Carrie. I mean, well, you got like all of the, all of the iterations of Halloween, which are like shit. You know, there's a bunch yeah. of really bad iterations of Halloween. Um, and just like, just like, just like poor quality, just like shitty kind of horror. Like there wasn't a lot of money being pumped into horror. Mm. But then you got people coming around like Ari Aster and like Robert Eggers doing things like The Lighthouse or Midsommar or yeah. Hereditary. And like those movies are, yeah, you know, like surprised that we didn't see Cinematic. like Tony Collette up for an Oscar for her performance in the Hereditary, you know? Yeah. So, so now anyway, we're in this like renaissance where like just there's so, and with like shutter financing a bunch of movies, like there's just so many good options for horror lovers and, uh, and I fucking love it. Oh, there's a new, uh, Hellraiser series coming out no too way. in like a, like, like in a week or two. That's why the costume is there. Cause I'm sure that's not like a regularly stocked full costume. Well, it wasn't a full costume. I just found the mask okay. and then I bought a bunch of other costumes to put this costume okay, together. Copy. Yeah. Which is why it was far too much money. Oh, I see. I had to buy three costumes. Yeah. You should have just gone them. with something slutty. Could have. Yeah. There was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of slu- slutty, uh, slutty. The Halloween there. store, which I just love Spirit. that it springs up here. It's so good. Like, what is it? You know, middle of September, they're like, let's start yeah. selling costumes to people. It's right around the corner from my yeah. school. So maybe I'll go check it out next week. 
but yeah, so uh, I love the summer year. I love sweater weather. Love wearing a sweater. Um, and uh, and honestly, like summer is great, but bring on fucking bring on fall. I'm all about it. I love fall. Yeah, but only until winter, and then bring on spring, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, we hope you're also really looking forward to Halloween, or that you have something exciting in your future that you're looking forward to. Because mm-hmm. we all know how important that is for our overall mental well-being and health. Yeah. Um. As our routines and rituals, hopefully you've got some of the good stuff going on um, in your life as well. Jeremy and I have been recording a handful of episodes now over the last uh, few weeks that we've been on our hiatus and we've got some more in the pipeline, more conversations scheduled over the next few weeks. And we're really excited about the content that we have lined up for you so far. Yeah, Um, very much so. And I guess we'll just, should we just jump right in and introduce this week's guest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sweet. So we spoke uh, for this week's episode. We spoke with uh, Jessica Espandieri. Am I pronouncing that right? I think so. Yes, Espandieri. I think so. Yeah, Espandieri. Uh, she uh, Jessica Espandieri. Espandieri. Yeah. Um, Jessica is the host of Open Late podcast, and uh, obviously, we were intrigued to speak with Jessica because she has a nine-year relationship marriage that has been or longer than that relationship slash marriage but that's been open or polyamorous um for the last nine years and it's been through many iterations of its openness um and jessica has only really been open about her openness for the last couple of years i think to her friends and family um we really enjoyed speaking with her because she she talks with other people that are very in line with the guests kinds of guests that we have on our show too, about sex and relationships in general, but with that specific polyamorous lens and uh, you should go check her out and check mm-hmm. out her podcast and, and her guests and her conversations. Um, she's got a quiz on her website um, called, wait, what's the quiz called? It's called what's your relationship uh, type. I think it's called your relationship style. Okay, yeah. And I thought we could go through it together. Um, it only really makes sense if one of us answers the questions, I suppose. So I've got it up here. Shall I read it to you and you can? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So you also can take this quiz and we'll make sure you have a link to it in the um, in the show notes. But uh, the whole the whole aim of this quiz is to kind of give you some food for thought. Think about the way that you like to love and express love and um, date and etc. So let's get right into it. Question number one. You would describe your dating history as A. You've never seen the point in labeling the people you connect with since traditional dating to marry and to have a family isn't your plan. B. You've been able to have feelings for more than one person at once. C. Usually dating with the intention to be with one person. Occasionally when you're not exclusive, you will hook up with others. D, one at a time for considerable stretches of time. Or E, dating a few people at once. However, once you fall for someone, you'll switch gears and focus on your emotional relationship with them. Um, I'm going to go with the last one there. Yeah, that sounds right. E? Cool. What is that? E? e. Yeah. E. Okay, number two. When you're not in a relationship and dating, you will usually A, date with no intention of having settling down with one person. 
B, date one person at a time with the intention to find someone to build your life with. C, date a few people at once where feelings may or may not arise. D, date multiple people and allow yourself to have feelings for anyone you have chemistry with. Or E, date people you feel like you could have a future with. I think C. Date a few people at once where feelings may or may not arise. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's like... Everything, everything, everything has changed so much over the last like, yeah, five years. But that's kind of, I mean, that's sort of what I like. When how I would approach, yeah, how I'd approach it, not in a relationship. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Number three, you've found someone you're interested in dating, but you're worried about committing. A, I just feel like this is this is way so over far. Your head. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> this is so outside the realm of anything I ever knew. Okay, but you're worried about committing. Okay, a you have a conversation about wanting to continue to be exclusive emotionally, but you still want to be open sexually. B you will commit and see how it goes until the spark wears off. C you won't even consider committing to someone who is not open to the idea of being open. D, you're upfront that you think monogamy might not be for you and you are interested in building something different. Or E, you hold off committing until you have a conversation about your fears. What was B? B was you will commit and see how it goes until the spark wears off. Yeah, probably that. Yeah, okay. But again, I just, I'm like, I'm a, I'm full on just like lesbian, like you holler. Yeah, right. Like I just... Two, two weeks in, in I'm second. like, move in. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. Okay, question four. Sorry. When you met your person or consider what it's like meeting your person, you feel A, excited you found them, mildly, mildly bummed that you will be off the market entirely if you choose to commit. <laughs> B, it should be only one person. They are it for you. C, excited and also aware that you have many opportunities to meet your people in life. You love the idea of sharing love with multiple people. D, excited about it. Also hoping they're as sexually adventurous as you are and open to all possibilities. And E, there isn't really one person for you. You don't see the value in committing to just one. You want to make sure your relationships are equal across the board. I think D. This is a hard one. Yeah, that is a hard one. Yeah. But I think D. Excited about it. Also hoping they're as sexually adventurous as you and open to all possibilities. Yeah. Number five, when you're having sex, your your imagination will run to, and you're going to choose the thing that will most align with your connection style, okay? Okay? A, you and your partner having the hottest vacation sex in a beach bungalow at sunset. Wait, this is where my mind goes to while I'm making fun. Yeah, while you're having sex, Uh, your imagination will run to. All right. B, someone sees you. And your someone sees you and your partner getting it on on a beach bung, in a beach bungalow, and you invite the beautiful stranger to join. <laughs> okay. C. The friends you have been chatting with flew in to meet you on this vacation, and you all hook up in the beach bungalow. Okay. D. After an incredibly sexy beach bungalow experience, you phone your partner at home to say goodnight, and you love them. Or or E. After an incredible bungalow experience, you part ways with this amazing partner, not sure when you'll see them again, and grateful for such a beautiful experience. Well, I can honestly say my mind's never gone to any of these. What was A? You and your partner. Oh, get you, someone sees you banging. That's B. Someone sees you banging. Oh, and, and you, you call them in. What was A? 
Uh, just you and your partner having the hottest vacation sex in the beach bungalow at sunset. Yeah, that. Oh. Yeah. So romantic. Number six, you're dating someone for three years and in love. A, you're content with this partnership, no intention to marry, and your partner is aware that you are open to other relationships. B, you sometimes wish you could or you already do have the occasional threesome with your boo or maybe a hall pass. C, you wish you could or you do openly connect sexually with others. D, you couldn't imagine ever being with anyone else. Or E, you could imagine yourself or have already experienced you and or your partner falling in love with other people and it not taking away from the love between you two. Three years. Three years and in love. <sighs> I mean, as it stands right now, probably, realistically, probably D. But uh, but also I could see E right. being a thing. I'm kind of easy with either. Okay. You know, I'll just go with D. But, but D is pretty, it's pretty much D. Like, That's where you're at right now. Yeah, I'm at right, right, right now where I'm at is like you're, a monogamy. You're at less than one year, but imagining you're going to feel this way still. Yeah, 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 yeah. Copy that. Yeah. Okay, question seven. When you're out with your partner, A, you don't even notice other people. B, you will notice if someone else is attractive objectively. C, you will notice if you're attracted to others and possibly fantasize about them maybe with you and your partner. D, you see potential connections with many people when you're out with your partner. E, you might end up connecting with someone else. There isn't a hierarchy in any of your relationships. Uh, currently, I'm going to go with B on this one. Yeah, okay. You'll notice if someone's attractive objectively. Yeah. Number eight, what is your view on marriage or long-term partnership for yourself? A, marriage is a partnership for life. Even one person or both have a fling, threesome, or hall pass here or there. It doesn't mean that the marriage should end. In fact, it can enhance it. B, marriage is for two people, a commitment with the goal to last a lifetime. C, marriages come in all shapes and sizes. Depending on the marriage agreement, some couples can choose to get their needs and desires met with other people. D, marriage and partnership looks different for everyone. The two-person-only partnership is really limited and doesn't make sense for the way many want to live their lives. E. Marriage is really a political socioeconomic construct that was created by things like organized religious interests, etc., and you don't really subscribe to that. Uh, that one. That one, too, yeah. Nine. In a relationship or your ideal future relationship, you feel like your partner can, A, meet most of your needs, except... Steamy, sexy desires that you might still have down the line. And in that case, you can make one-off exceptions. B, meet all your needs easily. C, allow you to be exactly as you are at all times. Whether that's with them or someone else, you come first to you. Or D, show up as the best version of themselves and still not be able to meet all your needs. Sorry, what's the uh, the question here? Is in a relationship, your ideal in a relationship or your ideal future relationship, you feel like your partner can. Okay, and read the D again. Show up as the best version of themselves and still not be able to meet all of your needs. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. That makes sense. We're getting close. Number ten, you're in a committed relationship. If you imagine your partner being with someone else intimately, what do you feel? A 
you feel like that's something you might want in your life or already have, it's a mixture of emotions, but that doesn't stop you from thinking about it. B, you feel excitement and happiness that they can be fulfilled and experience pleasure with someone else. It would be worth any uncomfortable emotions. C, you'd never be in a committed relationship that didn't allow for other relationships. Humans should be free to be with who they want, when they want. D, a mix of curiosity, excitement, jealousy, and some other emotions. You're not sure, but you're not closed off to it. E, dread or confusion. That's not something you ever want to consider. Uh, D. Number 11. How many questions are there? I don't know. I can't tell, but but it's like there's yeah, a yeah, status the little, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got like, like 75% probably like two or three more questions. Cool, okay. All right. Okay. When you were in high school, you often, A, thought people should be free to move through relationships, experiencing love and connection and not have attachments. B, had one crush at a time. C, had one crush at a time but ponders, pondered others. D, able to hold multiple relationships at once. This is when? In high school. Okay. Or E, easily had multiple crushes at a time without, even while dating someone. Uh, yeah, that. That? Yeah. I mean, I was, I crush on, I was just crushing every, every. every I crushed on everyone. Too. Everyone. Yeah. Like I had lists of people in my journal on any given day. Every day I had a new crush. Oh my God. Like that person who just walked by that you'll never see again. Yeah. In love. Number 12. When you think of being in a relationship with multiple people at once, you feel A, you love the idea, especially in pockets of time, new relationship energy is the best. B, you feel like you would want to be with one person only for an emotional commitment, but occasionally being with others sexually could be fun. C, you're up for the adventure because it could bring so much fun, love, and spice into your life. D, easy. You love the idea of being free to be with whoever you want, whenever you want. E, exhausted, jealous, and really uncomfortable. Uh, B, yeah. Uh, when in a relationship or considering your romantic life, sorry, when in a relationship or considering your ideal romantic life, A, you have multiple loves and your partner is able to as well. You might have challenges in these relationships, but ultimately it adds more love to your life. B, know that you two are meant for each other and committed to one another. An occasional sexual fling excites you and is welcome. It won't change that life plan. C, plan for a life together. However, the idea of being with others romantically or connecting emotionally is on the table for you. D, you love having meaningful connections with others without having any attachments that are leading to a primary partnership or marriage. Or E, committed to one partner and feel like there is no one else out there for you. They are your one and only. I mean, the way I feel about it now is E. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty like committed. Yeah. Um, but again, like that was different not long ago. Yeah. You know, so, um, but, but as it stands right now, E. Let's go with E. Yep. Oh, that was the last question. Cool. Now, does it tell me how much of a freak I am? No, it just says an open relationship is best for you. <laughs> this is what it says. An open relationship is where you're able to engage in intimate and sexual relationships with multiple people at once. Mm. These are unique to each partnership. They can include having a threesome, swinging, or separately dating other people without your partner present. If you're getting this as a result, know that you possibly have some tendencies towards monogamish yeah. and possibly some polyamorous desires as well since those are on 
either side of open on the traditional spectrum. Being solid in one style of relationships now doesn't mean you won't change in the future. Oftentimes, people shift into a new way of relating depending on their own growth, personal development, time, building trust with their partner, age, and sexual desires. We recommend taking this quiz every so often to check in as you grow. Amen to that. I think it's, it's interesting because there's some some questions that are more like philosophically. Yeah. Like this is what I think about marriage in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which can also not necessarily be like reflected like in reality. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, marriage is a construct and yet we are married. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and... I presumably we, we congratulate our friends when they get engaged to be married. Oh yeah. And totally. things like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even though we all know it's even though it's dumb. It's a dumb, dumb thing <laughs> to do. That was cool. I have one other thing I just wanted to read to you because it showed up unless you have anything else you want to say about that. No. I, we're going to throw to the episode soon. We haven't really been doing these intros um, over the summer as much. These four plays, let's say. Um, but we wanted to, just to kick things off, back yeah. it back into the swing of, you know, I guess you could call it season four. We miss you. We, we, we're sure you must miss us. You gotta. Yeah. You, you must. gotta. What are your lives like without listening to us? Every yeah. Week? Um, but this, sh- I just thought this was cute because it showed up in my promotions of my inbox, yeah. my Gmail inbox. And um, I continue to like read about my menstrual cycle and the best way to support myself in these things. But so one of these, uh, one of these promotional emails came in from thinks, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the period, uh, period underwear, underwear yeah, folks. Yeah. And it had a, I, I clicked on, I don't usually click on anything in there. Period euphemisms from around the world. So this is how people refer to periods in different parts of the world. I think you're going to like some of these, Jeremy. So we all heard shark week and aunt Flo is in town. Shark week. Never heard of that. Shut up. No, I never. So what? Shark Week, yeah, Shark Week. I mean, I'm familiar with Shark Week, the Discovery Channel week that covers only shark content. Yeah, no. But I've never heard someone refer to their period as Shark Week. That's yeah. fucking hilarious. It's great, right? Here's here's a few others. The Red Army, languages, that's in the Russian language. The Painters Are In. <laughs> Granny's Stuck in Traffic, that's South Africa. From okay. the Italian language, I have a flood. <laughs> from the German language. <laughs> My basement is flooded. <laughs> from the German language, strawberry week. <laughs> from the Danish language, there are communists in the funhouse. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> from Turkey, the motherland is bleeding. Oh wow, okay. From Puerto Rico, the rooster sang to you yesterday. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like that one's just made up and thrown in there. Um, Satan's Waterfall. That comes from the English language. It's a good one. Um, Russian, defrosting the steak. Love that. That's oh, a very visual one. Oh. <laughs> yes. uh, Blood Festival. That's from the Japanese, of course. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of really great horror movies, don't they? Or we're, we're thinking more. The Japanese has some good horror. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood Festival sounds right. Okay. Romania. Santa Claus has come. Oh. The Netherlands. The red Ferrari is here. <laughs> okay. Hungry. Monthly oil change. Oh. And finish. The day of pushing flowers. <laughs> oh, and then also Japanese. Yeah. Arrival of Matthew Perry. 
I found this really funny because I love Matthew Perry, but uh, it goes on to describe, it was important to me to figure out what Chandler from Friends did to earn this. So I looked up the origin for this one. Turns out I'm a bad history student. The Matthew Perry in question is actually the Commodore of the U.S. Navy who forced Japan into opening trading with the U.S. in 1853. Oh, yeah. big. Uh, yeah, that was a big, big piece of Japan. That's Japan because Japan was like closed off to the whole world. No trading? No trading. I mean, they're, they're one of the only, uh, I think it's like, other like outside of like maybe three or four other countries that just like fully denied the the option of colonialism like they were just they were like we don't give a fuck about the rest of the world um but uh, eventually they you know the trade thing they it was kind of necessary um i'm not a history student i could be wrong about this but i'm I'm pretty sure it's pretty necessary for them to like kind of make the next step to uh more like yeah growth and like uh advanced civilization but and don't is Matthew Perry interesting? Yeah. So hey, uh, don't chew that. So uh, yeah. So it was extremely disruptive to Japanese society. So arrival of Matthew Perry <laughs> is uh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's a uh, it's pretty cute. I like Shark Week. I'll probably keep saying Shark that. Shark Week's good. I like. That. I like saying I'm ble- Like I'm trying to figure out how to because I don't like I'm menstruating. I just feel like a lot of the menstrual cycle, like so much of women's health, has been medicalized. Yeah. So and I don't like it. So I just I like I feel to like just my say pussy's I'm bleeding. bleeding. No. Just say that. No, I don't like that. I'm bleeding. My my hoo ha has got a bunch of blood coming out of it. I'm hemorrhaging. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, anyway, maybe Shark Week though. Shark Week. Now, yeah. now you'll know. Now you'll giggle every time someone says Shark Week. Yeah, we should change the name of the aisles and like Loblaws to Shark Week Isle. Oh. Yeah. Like that. Well, that's all I have to talk to you about this week, baby. Um. Well, then, uh, folks, that means it's time. Uh, let's throw to our conversation with Jessica Esfendiari. Um, <laughs> such a regal name. Uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, again, Jessica is the host of Open Late, which is a deep dive into all things relationships, much like this podcast. Uh, you can find Open Late uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. And um, and why don't you just uh, uh, hop on over to Open Late's website and uh, get more info if, you, if you're interested in more. Um, we hope you enjoy this episode and we will be back next week with a new recording. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, if you want to support the podcast, just leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or uh, leave a rating on the Spotify mobile app or come join us on Discord. And by Discord, I mean Patreon. Oh. Uh, mixing up two podcasts here. Uh, <laughs> turn me on podcast at patreon.com slash turn me on. You can come be a patron. And uh, you can of- watch our interviews just right. so you know our yep. guests. If you want to get a look at their faces yeah. while they're talking, you can see their face, sweet faces thing. talking right on, on Patreon. Patreon. Uh, enjoy this conversation, folks, and we will see you on the other side. All right, let's do this. Uh, we're sitting down with Jessica Espandiari, uh, the host of Open Late podcast, um, and uh, just freshly back from from uh, you know a dusty old trip down to uh, to Burning Man. I'm very jealous. I gotta say, 
uh, you know, I'm not one for bucket lists. I, I think bucket lists are kind of silly. Um, but if I did have a bucket list, uh, Burning Man would be on there. You know, that's uh, that's one thing that I've always wanted to do. But I, alas, I think uh, I think I, I, it's not something that will ever be really possible for me for medical reasons. Um, oh. All that alkaline dust really fucked my lungs up. I'll oh yeah, Jeremy's got CF. Yeah, you I got a I got a chronic lung disease, so it's just kind of like. But but I always say I could always just drop acid at my at my house and my living room, and um, you know you take enough, you might as well be at Burning Man. My friend James in your living room. Remember you know? uh, remember Esme's boyfriend, yeah. ex boyfriend James. He said, I'm always at Burning Man yeah. in my mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah, totally. I, lo- I love that. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy, I'm so glad you were not there this year. This would not have been a good year for you. Uh, I heard was, it was bad. Yeah, It was so bad. There was yeah. so much dust. Um, the dust storms were aplenty, and it made the acid... Uh, not something you want to do <laughs> so much yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's like if you want to talk about set and setting, it was not yeah, <laughs> the yeah. setting. Really, it was, it was rough. It was a rough year. Um, Seems like it would have been a bit of a fever dream, kind of uh, just like where the fuck am I? What's going on? It, overwhelming to say the least. Yeah, which yeah. I, I guess having because I've been a bunch, so going through those dust storms myself was like not that serious. Although when they kept coming like day after day, I was like, Mm. even I got a little bit like this can't keep happening. But for everyone that was with me in my camp, who it was like their first time, like it was my sister-in-law's first time, my best friend. I had a couple people who were like complete virgins. And so I imagine and seeing it through their eyes, it was one of the most overwhelming things because they have no point of reference. Like I've been there before. I know that they go away after an hour. You know, you're not you're not going to be like sitting there. Uh, but at one point we were for like three hours, and I was like, "Thank God I'm not high right now." Yeah. Like I couldn't yeah. imagine being, you know, really like out of my mind and then not fe- feeling like unsafe in my environment. Mm. Do you have to be inside during those dust storms? No, not, not a lot of options for inside. Well, really, you built you know, it. Like, you, we were talking about building yeah. a camp. I, I yeah, have yeah. no scope of yeah. what is there. Well, it's such a good question. If you can be inside, you should. Um, but for many people, it's like not even an option. Yeah. Or they're only inside is their tent. Mm-hmm. And they're likely not anywhere near their tent, you know, because it's like you go there to sleep and change maybe. Mm-hmm. Um in in my camp, we have people are like, oh, your camp is bougie. Um, I think we're just like really smart and we've had enough money to sort of invest and then, you know, attempt to recoup because we we bought these shipping containers. Oh, yeah. And then we've like retrofitted them into like living quarters. So each container has four different rooms and each room has like each room can sleep four and has a little fridge and, and an air Whoa. conditioner. Wow. So it's like really nice by Burning Man standards. Um, and we have like a hundred people who camp that way. And then we get like a bathroom and shower trailer delivered. So we all share like a hundred people share like three bathroom stalls and like three shower stalls. And Holy so it's like nice. nice. It's cushy. Yeah. But, you know, the couple times there were dust storms, it was nowhere near my camp. I was like a 25 minute bike ride from home. And you're like in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And it's just a complete whiteout. And you're being like the... The dust is like hitting you like the side of your face because it's the winds were like, I mean, at one point, I think I was outside at night in like 30 mile an hour winds oh and it lasted goodness. for like two hours. Yeah. So we were like, are we going to die? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you have this like mask on, you have like an N95 or, you know, whatever kind of mask. And 
Um, if you don't have that, then you're, you're kind of in danger because mm. you can really, it can fuck with your lungs for a long totally. time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, to the point of, uh, uh, and not, I know that not everyone that goes to Burning Man is out of their mind on drugs, but, um, psychedelics are, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a crew of people that, uh, like to partake in psychedelics as, as Burning Man can be such a transformative experience for folks. And when you blend two transformative experiences together, it gets extra transformative. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, to be in the middle of a dust storm on psychedelics would be a lot. But there's something to be said for a really challenging psychedelic experience. You know, I feel like a lot of folks, although although it doesn't sound fun, um, I think for a lot of people that that experience, you do come out on the other end with a, a new kind of lease on something, uh, which which oftentimes ends up being like, you know, worth the the adventure, if, if you want to use that mm-hmm. that word to uh, kind of soften the blow. But. Um, yeah. yeah, sounds like it was, sounds like it was a lot. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think if you have like a really strong quality of mind mm-hmm. and you can look at a really tough or dark, you know, or just challenging journey or trip as like, okay, made it through that. I'm really strong. Like if that could be your takeaway, mm-hmm. then you're, you're in a really good spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I, I've had some of those and I don't want to repeat them, but but I'm glad <laughs> yeah. they happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jessica, give us uh, give our listeners a little insight into uh, who you are and uh, what's Open Late all about. Um, uh, yeah, we like give us give us a bit of insight into Jessica's life. Yeah. So other than going to Burning Man every year for weeks <laughs> at a time, like building something from scratch, um, I am very much a community builder. Um, I've been a coach and a facilitator of everything from, you know, life coaching programs to women's retreats, um, for a while now. And it was like in my work in that way that I started to realize people's relationships really needed healing. Um, and just like people's relationship to the way that they have relationships, um, also was something that I just saw popping up in my work all the time that needed attention Meanwhile, I've been in an open marriage with my husband for almost nine years now, and I was very secret. It was a secret. I was very private about it for years and years, mainly because of my own shame or sort of like internalized misogyny or like this is too taboo. I don't want anyone to know. I was very much in this like I need to protect this part of my life that I really like and no one will understand it. So I kept it in a box. And about three years ago, I had this like sort of aha. I was coaching in a program with like 60 participants and the theme all weekend was, you know, infidelity or feeling like a terrible person because they just had thoughts about someone else while in a committed relationship and all of these things kept popping up. And I just saw like how much pain people were in. Mm. And I felt like almost like I had this like secret sauce, but I wasn't sharing it. Ah. And, you know, I knew it wasn't, it's never going to be for everyone, but it had me feeling like, okay, wow, this is so much bigger than my little embarrassment that I might suffer, um, by like coming out about this. And so I started to, and it's funny, I gave my first talk at Burning Man in 2019. I sort of, our camp has a space, it's called an epicenter and we host facilitators who give talks or workshops. I mean, everything from like sound healings to, to shibari rope tying to like 
Oxon life insurance, just like whatever it's there. <laughs> and so it's I gave a, a broad talk. Range. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I show up on acid for how to do your taxes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I gave a talk on, um, and I was joking with you, with you guys earlier, like I'm not the person who's like the five things about non-monogamy, but actually I was, <laughs> I was so nervous. I'm like, how do I even share this? So I came up with like the four pillars of my open relationship and my husband and I sort of gave this talk together and a Q and A to follow. And it was so well received and people sort of came to me after, not only at Burning Man, but once I got home with questions and mm. I ended up coaching couples and singles about it. And it became like a huge part of my life just from this one, you know, opening up in this space that was very safe. Like a couple mm. of my camp mates knew and other ones already like were open. So it was like this easy thing to do. It was like a nice stepping stone. And then after that, it just became a big part of my life. And I started going live on Instagram talking about it during the pandemic. And then last year in October, I launched my own podcast. And that's what Openly is all about. We talk about relationships in general, but mm -hmm. through my lens of non-monogamy and the guests that I have on are all, for the most part, very sex positive um, and interested in these types of topics, whether it's monogamy or non-monogamy, it's really just like how to design a relationship that actually is unique to me and my partner and fits us rather mm. than look at like this binary thing that we're born into. Um, so yeah, that's where I am now. I never imagined that this would be like what I'm up to, but here we are. So out in the open now, mm -hmm. do, are, yeah. do, would you say like most people in your life, all your family, your friends, everybody's kind of aware now. Everybody knows. Yeah. And I came out to my parents like in person, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And at that point too, it was like right around the time that I started a, an intimate relationship. Well, my husband Pasha and I both with a woman for the first time. We had always like had kind of external relationships, but they were more um, casual or just like intimate but sexual, never really bringing someone in to mm. our marriage that we were like in love with. And Lauren was different. So when that happened, kind of around the same time, I was like, well, I can't hide this. You know, my parents are going to come visit me. They live in Philly. They come to California a couple times a year. So I ended up coming out to them. And then, of course, with the podcast, I mean, everybody knows. Did you mm. live with Lauren? So we've never lived together, but she lives less than a mile from our house. And she's here a couple days a week. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's maybe we can jump into the evolution of your open relationship if mm. you're willing to get personal with us, because I know that Jeremy and I have um, opened up our marriage. I have even no idea. Like seven years ago. 2015. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talked about it for four or five years prior to that. Um makes us seem like we've been together for 20 years or something, but, uh, basically. Hey, we're getting there. <laughs> um, but, but I really liked before we started recording what you said about how everybody's kind of experience with it or, or plays out uniquely. And as you said, you know, giving, embracing non-monogamy in your own relationships gives you a chance to sort of customize that relationship to who you are and what you need and, and your, your partners as well. But, uh, 
just maybe a little bit more truthful, a little more honest. How did you find yourself nine years into an open marriage? Yeah. Well, it's, it's really funny. Our very first experience was a total accident. Um, we had an accidental threesome and I call it, my husband loves to say that he masterminded it, but there's no way. Like he's just like, (laughs) he's like, no, I planned this. We were out one night. We ended up bringing home a girlfriend of mine. We had only been together for like six months at that point. And we weren't even married yet. And it went so well. And it was something that I think I had always, I had always known that I was attracted to women, but I didn't have the sexual confidence to really act on it. Mm. And I think for Pasha, sure, you know, like most, you know, cisgender heterosexual men in our society are like threesome, two girls, you know, that's just kind of the low hanging fruit. Um, At the time, we were both like, wow, okay, that was amazing. Do you, did you like it? You know, we we talked about it the next morning. Is that something you'd want to do again? And for me, it opened up this entire world of like, I've wanted to do that for a long time, even with that friend, like that Mm -hmm. friend and I had chemistry, we had worked together. And so we sort of carried on with her for about a year. Um, But it opened us up. And when we first started our relationship, we had both come from like pretty shitty, toxic, previous relationships. And, and we were also young, you know, we were in our mid to late twenties. So I think we both wanted something different and we entered in with like, I want to be able to tell you everything. So it was always our practice to share what was on our mind. And we were both kind of in a lot of personal development work at the time. Like we were just like fresh new babies, like let's create something special and magical. Um, but we really did. And we, we constantly lent like leaned into things that felt edgy, but that we can like create safety around. So we like, we started seeing other people. We started going on apps, you know, and we, we opened up slowly over the course of like three years. At first it was like, we're going to do things together. They're going to be talked about and planned and then we'll dissect them after, you know, and it wasn't so clinical. It was really fun, but we were pretty careful to go slow. And then at about the two or three year mark, we started seeing people separately and individually where like if someone was on vacation, we would, or even just like going on an app and meeting somebody and starting to like go on dates separately. Um, And then that evolved into, as I shared earlier, around the five year mark meeting Lauren. And that was just totally different. I don't think either of us really understood what polyamory was or what it really meant until then. Um, I mean, in, in all of that, like different seasons, I love to call it seasons. We closed our relationship at times when things got rough or we felt like maybe our foundation needed more work or just our relationship needed more attention or we'd reopen. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, we've closed our relationship maybe three times over the course of nine years, twice had nothing to do with being open. We were just like, we're spreading our energy out too thin and we're kind of having like a root relationship problem right now that we should focus on rather mm. than go on this vacation with this guy, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of run the gamut, everything from monogamish and telling each other everything to now we're very open and fluid. And, and we still have the practice of like we share everything. We don't keep secrets. Um, we never have. But now it's like I don't need to know 
you know, everything. Like he'll be like, do you want to know the details? And if I'm in the right mood, I'm like, yeah, tell me everything. (laughs) But Mm. generally like our lives are exactly as they are. And we've built this super strong foundation. So now it's very much like, you know, everyone's on the same page all the Mm. time. And, you know, we have different partners and our partners meet each other and, um, we're kind of working on building community in LA around Mm -hmm. this. So that's, that's the whole like almost decade of it. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. 
are no longer ever going to be that other thing again. You know, it's, it just, it's, it's nice to know that the, that when dealing with something like non-monogamy that can look however the fuck you want it to look and mm-hmm. it can be, it can be, it can be different from one year to the next. And, yeah. uh, there's nothing, there's nothing tying you to anything, you know, uh, permanent. It's, it's, it, again, it's, it, it has the ability to shift and evolve just in the same ways that your relationship with your partner will inevitably shift and evolve and change. Um, and so like with non-monogamy, you have the ability to move with that change. Um, you're not locked into this one thing. I think that's one thing that people just get like freaked out about when they hear about non-monogamy. They're like, Oh fuck no, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. get locked into that contract. Yeah. You know, I always say like, it should be a seasonal menu all the time. Your relationship, mm. no matter if you're monogamous or mm. not, or even dating, like, because we're so different all the time based on our experiences and how we change and evolve and grow. It's like, if your relationship is a set menu and it never changes, that's just kind of a recipe for getting into a rut, in my opinion. So even in our like non-monogamy, when things are really great, I, I like to step back and think like, where can we focus more on each other and just like switch it up? <clears throat> yeah. I, one thing that I'm, I'm kind of curious about, um, and mostly just because uh, it's, it's fun to t- like hearing your story, there, there was a, a number of things that came out that I was like, oh, that sounds very, very familiar. It sounds very similar to the experience that Bridie and I have had. Um, and I know that, uh, when we started doing this podcast, um, that experience was quite eye opening, and, and there, I feel like I've learned quite a bit over the last, fuck, what, like six years now of doing the show. Um, and so I'm kind of curious about asking you what it is that you've kind of learned or things that have like kind of surprised you in the conversations that you've had doing open late um, mm-hmm. since you started the podcast, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, it seems that your show is, uh, is similar in that it's, you know, conversations with other people and, and, uh, and kind of opening up the, the opening up the, the floor for conversation surrounding things like relationships similar to us. So is there anything, you know, over the, the span of, of the lifetime of the podcast so far, that's kind of, uh, kind of been like a light bulb moment or things that, that have really kind of stuck out for you that you've learned through mm. the process? Such a good question. Um, yeah. And I, I sense so many similarities in our relationships, which I think is one of the reasons that after listening to a few of your shows, I was like drawn to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for me, the cool thing has been maybe not a light bulb, but this is the first thing I thought of is it's brought me to meet a lot of people in this community that I would mm-hmm. never have met otherwise. Um, and people reaching out and being like, yeah, me too. So that's been really cool because I'm new to being open. I mean, even though I guess it's been three years now, it's been kind of like a couple pandemic years. So it's like, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know how to measure those. Time. She's just Feel going weird. through her pandemic life crisis. <laughs> I mean, fuck time. To, the <laughs> pandemic time She'll is grow like, out of it. I'm that's in a goddamn time warp. I have no, no fucking clue wh- how long it's been since it's weird. The right? been normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I don't even know how to measure that time, but it feels very young that I've been open. And so no one knew. And so I wouldn't connect with people other than in like mostly like romantic experiences, which were limited because, you know, 
let me let the cat out of the bag just because you're non-monogamous does not mean you're hooking up with everybody in fact mm. like there have been so many dry spells as i'm sure you guys have spoken to like it's never about the sex you know i think i went like once like a year and a half without even like kissing another human other than you know my husband um so that's been that's been like the light bulb has been oh there are so many of us there are so many of us which i knew before but and and this kind of will lend into these other little ahas. So many people are have been doing this successfully for such a long time in secrecy. Um, I can't tell you, and maybe you guys have the same thing, but how many people write into me that are like, my mm. husband and I have been in an open relationship for 14 years. No one knows. I love your podcast because it, it almost makes me feel like this freedom of speech thing that I can never have, right? Mm. Um, I resonate with it because of this. So the overwhelming amount of people that I've found who are living this life in private really goes to show that I'm not just this like outlier person um, and that there are so many people hungry for something different and who have beautiful, loving relationships with like multiple partners. It's so inspiring. Um, and in some ways it makes me feel like, wow, I've got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Like if I have the the safety and the confidence and the privilege, right, to speak out about this and to like be open and share my relationship without fear of, you know, of course there's like public judgment, but like I'm safe. No one's going to harm me because I'm like, oh, I have sex with men that aren't my husband, um, which is not the case for a lot of women. So I feel like, oh crap, I have a lot to do now. Like it, it sort of, it's exciting for me because I feel like there's a lot of room to make change in people's perceptions. So that's been really fun. Um, and the other little like light bulb, well, um, there's two things that I want to share. We talked about this earlier. One, how like half the world's practicing non-monogamy. They just don't want to admit it. Right. They call it cheating. They call mm -hmm. it a mistake. Um, and the other is like how many of my monogamous friends and community and family are now all like, how do we dip our toes in? Mm. You know? And I'm like, did I make it look that cool? Or <laughs> did people just need somebody who they can resonate with talking about it. And so it's cool to be that activator because I have friends that I never imagined would consider trying anything like outside wow. of monogamy and their marriage who were like, maybe we'll just go to this plate party with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. So I think there's been, it's been an interesting year. There've been a lot of cool ahas and things that have like helped me feel really, um, I don't know the word, like, like I'm very galvanized by this. Whereas three years ago, you would catch me like hiding out about it. I would like delete my profile all the time off of like dating apps because I didn't want anybody to find out. Yeah, and then yeah. I would like go back to it. So, yeah. Let's, you, sorry, go ahead. What do you think the biggest challenges are? I, I mean, or like from what you've heard from the conversations you've facilitated um, on your podcast and beyond, like what are the, what are, because people always think, well, the jealousy, it's mm. got to be crazy. But by all accounts, uh, you know, scheduling is a huge, a huge d challenge. For me personally, things that I didn't anticipate to be challenging are like, are like also allowing the, like the relationship with Jeremy to evolve. Like, sure, like go out and do that and have those relationships and wake up that part of you and so on. But like, 
but also simultaneously allowing our relationship to evolve alongside of that, I would say it was like sort of an unexpected challenge. Like, mm. you know, there's a, there, there's definitely been moments and times where I've been like, but I don't, I didn't want our relationship to change. I, you know, I, I wanted to have these things, but I still want the same quality of closeness, let's say, but also that closeness changes and evolves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like change is very hard for human beings. Mm. So I'm just wondering if there's anything else you've heard from your conversations that you're like, people, people want to dip their toes in, but some, something unexpected that they don't realize might be that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really beautiful point that you make because, and I just, for clarity, do you two still live together or you don't live together? Anymore? No, we don't. No, no I, I thought so. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine, because I think that's something that Pasha and I um, have like, maybe that's maybe even been edgy for us. Just hearing you say it is like peaking my thoughts of like, wow, have we tried to keep our relationship the same? Um, and, and it has evolved in ways, but I think that's a really scary thing for people that they might not foresee in the very beginning of like letting this breathe and letting this evolve and change into something totally different that doesn't look the way it does right now. In our case, and this isn't answering your question, but I'm just like going to talk through this because (laughs) I'm thinking about it. We've a lot of times like our external relationships bring us back to our own romance And sometimes like it's like this jolt of energy that's like really special, um, which maybe you guys have the same experiences for the most part. And we haven't really like run out of that yet, which is nice. But I have had, I've wondered, I've been like, is this ever going to stop being like this little reset button that I love for our relationship? Um, I mean, and who knows, right? We're, We're about to have children. So that's like a whole other new chapter that we'll go down together and we'll probably be more co-parents than anything for a while. Um, but to your question, what I think most people that I do have conversations with that are in the throes of maybe they're just open or they've been open for a while or polyamorous is the amount of personal work that you have to do to be good at this. Um, it's like the misconception is like, oh, well, I could never do it. I'm too jealous of a person. And it's like, do you think that people who are in non-monogamy, like or non-monogamous relationships aren't jealous or that people who are like actively polyamorous don't experience jealousy? Like, of course they do. It's just this choice that I'm actually going to use my vehicle or use my relationship as a vehicle for growth. And so I want to look at this stuff head on. And I think people are they see jealousy as like so one dimensional because that's everyone's like biggest fear. Um, and they're like, well, once I get over that, it'll be so easy. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> it's like, Hey, he's probably not even that. That's your trigger. First you need to identify. Cause like you can't blanket jealousy over every uncomfortable emotion, right? There's, you know, the fear of abandonment, there's rejection, there's the feeling of not enough, right? That lack of like etern- internal, um, self-esteem or confidence. Like those are all very different. And so I think that people just don't understand the amount of like excavating that they're going to be signing up for. Then the, the like compound of that is it's not just your relationship now 
with your partner, that's always the most, like that's the incubator for where you can do the most work on your sort of inner child healing. I'm just reiterating my therapy session this morning, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally what we talked it's, about. It's so great because I was going to be like, are you in therapy? Have you been in therapy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, for like a year and a half. but And also just like being a coach, you like learn a lot about this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not that a coach is ever a replacement for therapy because it's very different things. Um, but now you have multiple mirrors. Like you have your own partnership maybe like for me I can speak to having a primary partnership and others and that's you know I think what your experience is like as well um or correct me if I'm wrong but we have that and now I have like this woman that I'm in love with who has triggered me on many different levels it's helped me heal my mother wound and my sister wound and then I have like this other guy that I've had you know relationship with that is triggering a different part of like my teenage self that my husband never really pressed on that button before. So it's like, you're going to, you're going to be caused to do so much more personal growth than you. It's like an accelerator. So yeah, like if you want more self-awareness than ever before, or to feel really, you know, um, raw and like, broken at times this is what's for you <laughs> sign up for non-monogamy <laughs> sounds like therapy it, yeah. I mean, it sounds just like therapy i've been to my i remember in uh, grade 12 taking a class it was an elective and it was known as the bird course it was called personal development and i know it like when i think back on that i'm like oh my god i've been on this track my whole life like yeah. i'm just like always i've always been in it for that sort of self-actualization mm. um <laughs> opportunity um, maybe there's someone listening right now. Well, maybe uh, I would say uh, there's very high chance someone's listening right now who, you know, is like thought about the non-monogamy thing, but doesn't really know where to go. Like nobody in their life is actually doing it. And so it's like, oh, it's one thing to listen to a podcast, but it's something completely different to like actually start talking about this in my own life. Um, I know that there was like there's a sort of quiz, Bridie, that you oh, were yeah. talking about that that Jessica, you've you've put together that sort of is like meant to and correct me if I'm wrong, but like meant to get people thinking about whether or not non-monogamy might be for them. Yeah. So that's like one reason to take it. And the other is if you're interested in non-monogamy and you're like, fuck, it's overwhelming. I don't know what what thing am I like? Mm-hmm. Am I do I want to be open Am I polyamorous? I think there's a lot of confusion about like what the different terms mean. Like a lot of people won't, we talk, mentioned this earlier, like a lot of people are like, I could never be in an open relationship. Um, but they could certainly have, you know, like curated threesomes probably mm-hmm. with their partner that could mm-hmm. be very fulfilling twice a year, <laughs> you know, and not that's a- like monogamish, you know? Mm-hmm. Not a difficult menu item to order, really. I mean, you got to find that that right person. Well, I mean, you, you, you do. I, I I think it's a little bit more difficult for some. Uh, that would ju- just judging on the amount of emails that I have received personally, <laughs> uh, and not let alone what the eat with the podcast has received about yeah. people saying, "How in the fuck do yeah. I get a threesome going?" I I, um, there's I more literally or less books written about how to do it. I more or less meant like from the perspective of one partner to another partner. Yeah, yeah. It's not the hardest sell. No, 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 no. You know? Right. It's like, it's kind of there on everybody. Not everybody, but you know, everybody's. A lot of, a lot of, a lot yeah. of, yeah. Well, and it's the thing that might not like rock 
the foundation. Totally. Someone's not ready to like, you know, unzip and pour, you know, out their chest cavity, right? A threesome is something that most people could do on a vacation or for a birthday or like hire. Like, Mm. you know, I always, I, I always recommend to people because it is challenging to find the right person and then to also care for that person as like a third in the experience, which a lot of couples overlook when they're Mm -hmm. just starting out. Um, I'm always like, Hire a tantric body worker. Yeah, like totally. it's literally their job. Their job they give you yeah. an orgasm, and they're like, "Is there anything else I can do for you?" Yeah. And then you they, could you not know, be so. more supported in that that experience than with right. you know, a professional. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that the quiz the quiz is really cool because it can kind of point you in a direction. And it kind of can help maybe alleviate some fears that people have, right? Because we're creating the story in our head before we do something of like all the reasons why not. Um, The quiz can kind of say, listen, this is a good starting point for you. Um, Or, and it can validate you. Like, I I think I've always been a polyamorous person and I never realized it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I built it with the intention for people to feel like, okay, cool. I'm, I kind of feel seen and heard with my response. It's limited in the way that, and if anyone's listening and knows of a quiz maker where I can have like a runner up, really wish that I could have that with this mm-hmm. platform, mm. but it'll give you the thing that essentially your responses came back the most. But I would love it if it was also like, but you also had six responses for this one. So people could see like, I'm monogamish with a tendency towards, you know, open or, mm. you know, I'm monogamish with a tendency towards monogamy so that you could feel into like what your little wing is, that would be cool. Mm. It doesn't have that for right now. Um, this is a call out tech heads for, yeah, that's it. Yeah. for that. Yeah. All of our venture capitalists out there. Um, <laughs> we will do, let's do this quiz as an, as an intro to this episode. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Uh, can yeah. you, can you just like, can you give me like a, just give me a little flavor. Well, the first like, question. Little, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go through the whole thing. Cause I'm just curious. Um, it, it's obviously clearly very thoughtfully worded and, I don't want to speed through it, but the first question is you would describe your dating history as, and there's five options, a dating a few people at once. However, once you fall for someone, you'll switch gears and focus on your emotional relationship with them. B usually dating with the intention to be with one person. Occasionally when you're not exclusive, you'll hook up with others. C one at a time for considerable stretches of time. Sounds like serial monogamy. Yeah. Uh, D, you've never seen the point in labeling the people you connect with since traditional dating to marry and to have a family isn't your plan. Or E, you've been able to have feelings for more than one person at once. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. kind of this like, yep. it's nuanced. Yeah. Which I yeah, really there's, like. There's, there's like definitely good options in there. It's mm-hmm. not very, uh, it's not very like, it's not. It doesn't to, pigeonhole you into no, like. no. I love to fuck as many people as I can. <laughs> Big old sloot. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I should make an alt version of this because it's yeah. it's funny. We had a lot of fun doing it. We had a lot of those like where I had to like cross it off and like I can't do that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, we'll we'll do it as an intro, uh, a foreplay to this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be very fun. Um uh Jessica, th- this is uh this has been really fun. Um how how can people find the podcast how can people stay up to date with what you're up to you know you're you're a very interesting person so i, I feel like uh people listening would love to kind of keep up with with uh, all things jessica and all things uh open late 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, the best way to connect with me is probably Instagram for the moment. Um, and I'm the person who answers and responds to like all the DMs and everything. Um, so it's open late the podcast. And I would definitely join, there's a little link to join the newsletter um, because I'm actually just about to start blogging about more of my intimate experiences, like more of my personal life. The podcast is a bit curated and I have guests, um, but that would be a cool way to get to know me better and people have been asking for it. So we can do that. And then my personal Instagram is journey period with period Jessica. Um, and I do a lot of fun, interesting stuff there too. There's a lot of overlap, but that's where you can find more things about coaching and healing and, um, different modalities that I practice. Sweet. So yeah, or a burning man. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next sweet. year. Yeah. 2023. Uh, well, Jessica, thank you. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and shoot the shit with us. This has been very fun and uh, looking forward to kind of deep diving into open late. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, thank you both. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show and look forward to getting to know you both better too. I want to come visit. Yeah. Come up. It's uh, it's pretty rad. I'm actually coming down. I'm going to be in LA in a couple of weeks. Mm, for a dis- for a different desert festival, a different desert festival. I'm not real. I'm not technically going to be in LA for long. I'm I'm going to uh, Desert Days in uh, on Lake Paris, uh, mm-hmm. just like outside of San Bernardino. I think yeah, down there. Yeah, so looking forward to that. I have fun. friends that go to that. Very cool. Can't wait. I'm like I'm big fan of a lot of the people playing there. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun time. You're a hippie. Oh fuck yeah! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding I know. Me? I'm on acid right now. That's um. real. real. All right. See you, Jessica. Thank you. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that sex toy, <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.